Well, welcome back to Encounter, and welcome uh, back to the conclusion of our uh, Christmas series, uh, This Is Us. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter. I want to welcome everyone out to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. I want to welcome everyone watching online, people around the country. Mira Myra is watching from Colorado. Uh, yeah, say hello to Myra. Hello, Myra. And uh, all of our friends from Kentucky. Uh, Chris and Carolyn, friends from New York, Illinois, people tune in from all around the country, and we're so grateful for that. And, uh, and I just want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, I want to wish you all the best, and we'll talk about that at, at the end of the service. Just a little note about that little funny Christmas video. That was the first church uh, that uh, I, I, me and Carolyn were a part of in Kentucky, where I got saved 20 years ago. And uh, they, made it, they made that video several years ago, and it went viral. And it was just so wild that uh, they made that video because we know every, mostly everybody in there. And uh, that was just a real, real great, great version of uh, very biblically sound version of, of the Christmas story as well, too. I'm not sure about that. Uh, but uh, welcome back to our series, uh, This Is Us. And what we've been talking about uh, for four weeks is if you watch this show, this TV show, This Is Us, it's so easy to get caught up in the dysfunction of This Is Us. It's very easy to get caught up in the dysfunction of our lives, as well as the lives that we watch on This Is Us, which is the reality for so many of us. And we've been talking about the antidote to This Is Us is found in Isaiah 9, 6, which says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. That's the antidote to the dysfunction in our lives. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, and we spent each week talking about the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So we kicked off the series talking about the wonderful counselor, how wonderful the name of Jesus is, and to get insight, to get wisdom, to get counsel from God. There's nothing like the wonderful counselor giving us wisdom, especially when we need it most. We, talk, we, we, talked, about, uh, we talked about the everlasting Father. Uh, we talked about the mighty God. Boy, that, and we posed the question, what do you need this Christmas? And we all need a mighty God. And we all need the love of an everlasting Father. We talked about the absent father wound. It was a very tough week last week as we talked about fatherlessness and an absent father wound. How to overcome that. And the best way we can overcome that is, is to experience the love of the everlasting Father. And this week, we're going to talk about the Prince of Peace. We're going to talk about peace, the peace that comes from God, the peace that comes as a result of relationship with God. Now, usually at this time, I usually find a review of the hit show, This Is Us. Well, instead of finding, and I looked at many reviews, but I'm going to give you my own review of the crazy dysfunctional show, This Is Us. This Is Us is a TV show about the need and deep desire for a family to find peace beyond their hurts and beyond their losses. While the show has its moments of touching you with their emotions, stop it, and they are a master at doing that, it will leave you empty knowing that the answer to all their problems lie in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Everyone on the show is looking and searching for something that can't be found in their relationships, their careers, 
the things or, or their accomplishments. They're all looking for peace. And the problem with looking for peace that the world doesn't offer is that it can never be found. It can never be found. Joy and peace seem to go hand in hand as two of the most spoken words during the Christmas season, right? And I love to sing the familiar song, Joy to the World, The Lord Has Come. So everybody sing it with me. One, two, three. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, But I love that song. And I love the words of it. Unfortunately for many of us, the lyrics have changed, haven't they? We sing, Joy to the World, My Stress Has Come. Joy to the World, My Dysfunction Family Has Come Back. Joy to the world, my depression has come. Joy to the world, the fires have come. Joy to the world, I am done. Joy to the world, my money's gone. Joy to the world, you make me mad. Joy to the world, I just really have no joy. And how about you? What are you singing these days? Truth is, I think all of us here can relate to the joy killers in our lives. We all have to deal with them, don't we? And the thing about joy killers, they never take a holiday off. Neither do our hurts, natural disasters, and many other things beyond our control. And if we're not careful, those joy killers can become peace robbers. And they'll steal any and all peace that's available to you at any moment in your lives. And this peace only comes from the Prince of Peace one of the prophesied names that Isaiah was talking about, about Jesus Christ in Isaiah 9-6. So I thought the best way to wrap up this series is to talk about the Prince of Peace and talk about peace that Jesus is the Prince of. And when I mention the word peace, I think that you would give me hundreds of explanations of what peace is to you, of what you think peace is and what you think and want peace to be in your life. Now, many of us, and most people around the world, think that peace is the absence of conflict. Well, if I could just get through the holidays without my family falling apart. Well, if I could just get through the Christmas dinner without a fight breaking out. That never happens with my family. Now, some people think that peace is when we're not at war with another country. It's a form of peace, but it's not the peace that we're talking about that comes from the Prince of Peace. You see, there's always going to be conflict. There are always going to be wars. And if there are not wars going on, there's rumors of wars because we are living in the last times. Now, when I lived in Colorado, where Mita Myra is watching and Nikki's watching, uh, I used to go to Boulder every chance we could get. Me and Carolyn loved going to Boulder. Do you know why we love going to Boulder? Because crazy people live in Boulder. I mean, crazy. I mean, these people are beyond crazy. And, uh, and I don't know if you know this. I, this is T up here. I have, spent, I have spent the last 25 days, or the last month actually, since the 24th of, of November, the day before Thanksgiving, without a cup of coffee. I've gone a month without a cup of coffee. How about that? And I haven't killed anybody yet. Pretty awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But I do struggle with something that, that I do want to confess to everyone. I've never confessed this to anyone in any, in any service that I've ever done. I want to confess it to you. I struggle with CPW. Okay? If you don't know what CPW is, it's a crazy person watcher. 
Okay? I love watching crazy people. Carolyn does too. She won't admit it to you, but she does. We love watching crazy people. We've been watching crazy people for years. We just loved it. When we moved, to, when she, we first got married, we lived in New York for 10 years. She would have me take her down the village of New York City where they invented crazy. And then when we moved to Colorado, oh my goodness. The first day I ever spent in Boulder, I met a nine-foot man painted in silver. Okay, he was walking on stilts. Okay, just a few minutes later, I saw a man who looked just like Jesus Christ dressed in a Santa suit, taking a leak right in front of us on the street, relieving himself. And if the day couldn't get any better, just about an hour later, we saw a man naked taking sun on his terrace, on his, on his porch, in all of his glory. And I said, we're moving to Colorado. I said, that does it. And one of, and one of the most memorable days that we ever had walking through Boulder, and I, 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 I love this, uh, was that we, we were in Boulder, and they had an open mic day. And, and, and it was amazing. And, and the subject was, anyone could speak in this open mic in downtown Boulder, and, and you can speak on what you think peace is. Peace in the world. Peace, whatever you think peace is. And of course, you know, this is the like pot capital of the universe. I mean, aliens fly into Boulder to get high. I mean, everyone's getting high in Boulder. And, you, and, I, and Carolyn wouldn't let me get up there because I wanted to say something. Because I wanted to talk about this peace. I wanted to talk about what real peace was. And of course, you know, you got all the stoners up there. Well I, well, I think peace is everyone just getting high and just people giving hugs to everyone and just loving on everybody. Just love your enemies. And we'd have peace and not war. Yeah. You know, and it was awesome. And I just want to, <laughs> it's a good rendition, wasn't it? This is who I used to be. <laughs> but I'm, I am celebrating 20 years clean and sober from all drugs, everything, because God, when the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. Okay, but I can still do a good stoner, man. Yes, I can. And, and I heard all kinds of things. I heard, I mean, all kinds of things. And I say all of that to reemphasize the point that most of us could never effectively and articulate what real peace is, right? The fact is, when you experience the peace of God, the peace of God, you can't explain it. There's no way you can effectively articulate what the peace of God really is. You can never effectively talk about it and share, this is what peace is, because it's something so powerful. It's something so miraculous that words can never do it justice. It transcends all understanding. It guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It just calms you on your worst, nervous, anxious day. The worst day of your life could be the most peaceful day of your life if you let it. So one of the first things I want to I share tonight is that you can have peace with God but not experience the peace of God. Does that make sense? Stay with me now. The starting point for peace on earth in your life starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the starting point for peace. And there's a difference between the peace of God and experience peace with God and experience the peace of God. You need both. But the starting point, the starting point is accepting the Prince of Peace Jesus Christ, 
as your personal Lord and Savior into your heart and into your life. Now, this peace is something that the world doesn't offer. It really isn't. Nobody has it, and nobody can give it to you other than Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Listen to me very carefully. Two gifts, and Christmas is all about gifts, isn't it? Two gifts that every follower of Jesus has that no one else has. No other religion can give it to you. There's nothing in this world that can give it to you. Two gifts that you have that no one else has, listen to me very carefully, are the peace of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. You have those two presents in your life that create the presence of God, which gives you peace that is beyond your understanding that the world doesn't offer. The Holy Spirit is our source for our peace. It's where we get our peace. And that peace is always available through us through an abiding walk with Jesus that empowers the Holy Spirit to pour out that peace when we humble ourselves in full surrender to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ. The more you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the more you submit to God's word and make God's word the authority over your life and live that out, the more peace you're going to have. No matter what's going on in your life, the more you submit to God and what he wants to do in your life, the more peace you'll have. It's really that simple. The more you do what God wants you to do, the more you submit, the more you surrender, the more you obey, the more power of the Holy Spirit you'll have in you and the more peace you'll have in you. The more you do that, the less stress and anxiety you'll experience in your life. Think about this. The Holy Spirit and God's peace are two things that the world can never manufacture nor produce. Here's a question for you. Do people see God's peace on you? Do people see God's peace in you? Here's, here's a challenge for you. Try going through a whole day without saying, a, and, and try and encounter as many people as you can without saying a word to them. And at the end of your day, ask yourself this question. Would they know that you're a Christian? Just by being in your presence. Just by being around you. Just by seeing God's peace on you. Just by seeing good fruit produced in you. You see, peace with God and, and the peace from God comes from this deep abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul couldn't have explained this any better in Romans 5.1. He says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, that's when we trust in Jesus, when we accept him as the Lord and leader of our lives by turning from our sins, repenting of our sins, and turning to Jesus and asking him for, for the forgiveness of our sins and the free gift of eternal life, he says we're made right in God's sight by faith. It says, we have peace with, with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, had done for us. He forgave us. He set us free. He gave us an eternal home in heaven. But we're going to live forever and ever. He, he deposited his Holy Spirit in you. He gave you his mind. He gave you his heart. 
He gave you everything you need to live a successful life according to kingdom plans and God's plan for you. God's given you everything you need. And because of what he's done for you, not what you've done, because the Bible says we're, we're, we're saved by grace, not by works, so no one can boast. It says we have peace with God when we are made right in God's sight. This is a major scripture in a life-defining passage that explains why people struggle and have no peace, because they're not reconciled to Jesus. They're not reconciled to Jesus. Jesus secured our peace through his death on his cross. He came to restore our relationship with God. That's what the story of Christmas is all about. Jesus came to restore separated men because of their sins back to God by coming in the form of a baby, not to just be a gift to us, but be better than any gift that we could ever receive. He came to die for us. He came as a substitute. He not only forgave your sin, he became your sin. He died for your sin. And he rose from the dead and defeated your sin and my sin. And he defeated the grave so that we can have forgiveness and eternal life. Being justified by faith means that we can and we will have peace with God. You know, the fact is, many of you walk around really not sure if you have peace with God. And if you don't have peace with God, you'll never have the peace of God, and you'll never give away that peace to others and live out that peace in your life. And God wants you to be secure in the peace with God by being secure in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, not only secured that peace, but he's the only source of that peace. So when you see someone struggling with something, here's two great questions that you can ask them when they're struggling. Question number one. You may want to write this down. No fill in the notes this week. Just if you want to take notes. Here it is. First question. Are you at peace with God? That's question one. Are you at peace with God? Don't say anything after that. Just let them talk. Are you at peace with God? Here's question number two. This is a big one. It's a great tea. You know, Starbucks makes this thing called medicine ball. Yes. It's got a couple teas in it, lemonade. It's really good. That's my plug for Starbucks. Okay, question number two. That's my Christian Tourette's right there, just <laughs> popping out of there. Are you, question number one, are, are you at peace with God? Question number two, you ready? Are you experiencing the peace of God? Are you experiencing the peace of God? See, peace with God is the starting point for experiencing peace that the world can't even come close to providing. The Apostle Paul knew something about this peace because his entire life could be defined by this. He had peace in the middle of conflict, chaos, and affliction. Anyone, anyone experience affliction here? Anyone live a chaotic life? I don't, when you think about how crazy your life is, think about the Apostle Paul's life. The moment he surrenders, first of all, his life before Christ is spent by killing Christians. He's hunting Christians down to kill them. I can't imagine not having any peace during that. He may have had happiness, but it's not peace. 
And then Jesus stops him in his tracks and says, what are you doing? What are you doing, he says. <laughs> and then he just, he just sets him free. He blinds him. He just shuts down his eyes. And he, he, he offers him his grace. And Jesus ministers to the Apostle Paul for three years. So we, and, and what I love about all the teachings of the Apostle Paul is that, is that when the Apostle Paul, we, if, you can re, if you read all of his letters, you know that whatever he's saying have come from the lips of Jesus Christ. Because everything that Paul writes is from him spending three solid years with Jesus Christ giving him everything that he knows and everything that he writes about, which is amazing. And, and, and Paul had some profound things to say. But think about everything that Paul wrote. And when Paul starts his ministry, it's not, it's, it's not a peaceful atmosphere. Paul's being hunted down. He's the most wanted man alive. This is a guy who's been shipwrecked. This guy who's been beaten, flogged, whipped with chains, with glass, with rocks. He's been, put, he's been chained to walls. He's been sent on islands to die. Most of his letters were written in prisons. This guy's under constant affliction. He's been left for dead many, many times. In many of his letters, he didn't know if he was going to live through the night. And yet one thing can distinguish all of Paul's letters. They're written with affection, love, and tremendous peace. I love what Paul writes in, in Philippians 4.11. He says this, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. Whether I'm afflicted, whether I have a lot, whether I have a little, whether, I got a, whether, I got, whether things are going well. Things are never going well for the Apostle Paul. Things never went well for him. But he did start a bunch of churches. And he did lead a revolution of Christ followers. And he did give them instructions. And most of those instructions make up the majority of the New Testament, which we have today. And here the Apostle Paul writes, I have learned to be content. And I can honestly say, it took me a long, long time. And it wasn't until just even recently, of almost 20 years of walking with Jesus Christ, I can honestly tell you that I'm content. I'm content in the chaos. I'm content in the affliction. I'm content in the opposition. I'm content with the good times, the bad times, whether I have a lot, whatever. I'm just content. When you can reach a place where you can say, I'm just content. You know what another word for content is? Is I have peace. You can have peace. And I love, and if you study the Apostle Paul's letters and the epistles, he typically opens and closes each one of them with a prayer of peace, which is amazing. You see, people hope for peace. People pray for peace. But people don't know the essence of what peace is all about. I quoted James McDonald last week. I'm going to quote him again. He wrote this. He says, when a royal child is born, he is not immediately king. But even as a baby, he's already a prince. Of the titles given to Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace could have been on a little sign pinned to the manger that night in Bethlehem. When the angels announced the birth of Christ to the shepherds, their proclamation, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, on whom his favor rests. In Luke 2, 14, 
highlighted the ultimate purpose of Jesus' role to establish peace between us and God. Excuse me for, for just, just pounding this point over and over again, but it's important. More than 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah gave us this prophetic snapshot of God's plan to enter history as our Prince of Peace. The New Testament details several significant ways Jesus brings us peace in a world marked by human conflict. In fact, Jesus described the peace he could deliver as something quite different from anything the world can offer. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not only am I going to leave it with you, but I'm going to give it to you. And I do not give as the world gives. In other words, this peace I'm going to give to you, the world can't give it to you. Okay? Disney, as awesome as that is, can't give it to you. Hollywood can't give it to you. Money can't give it to you. Cars, houses can't give it to you. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus didn't promise a peace the world would understand. He promised his peace to us. Isaiah, who declared Jesus' title, also described how he would establish peace between us and God. He said this in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that what? Brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Friends, that's salvation. The Prince of Peace made possible the absence of enmity between us and God, our sins, our transgressions. They're forgiven because Christ took it upon himself on the cross. And again, when we embrace him and what he's done for us, we can be forgiven and we can have peace. When we acknowledge Jesus as Savior, we're also receiving him as the prince who established our peace with God. Now, it's just not, it's great to have peace with God. But alongside peace with God, Jesus also delivers, and only he can deliver this, peace from God. This peace is more like the Old Testament in Proverbs 16, 7, when it says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. I love that scripture. Peace from God affects every relationship in our lives. It should affect your relationships to the point where you are called to live at peace with everyone else. They may not live at peace with you, but you are called to be a peacemaker. You are called to live at peace. You may not be at peace Others may not be at peace with you, but you are called to live and be the leader and the initiator and the constant presence of peace in all your relationships. But the best peace he came to offer us is the peace of God. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God, listen to this very carefully, look at it, rule. Rule in your heart. In other words, you are to guard your heart. That's what the Bible says. And you're to, let, you're to let one thing rule in your heart. And if you allow this one thing to rule in your heart, 
You're going to have a real peaceful life, even in the middle of chaos. No matter what's going around you, let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's the deep confidence to know that he is always in control and he will work out everything for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. The question is, do you love him? And are you called according to his purpose? See, what begins as peace with God grows into peace from God between us and others, then matures into the peace of God within us. Jesus Christ, the Son, born, the child given, the Prince of Peace, makes all this possible. He makes all this possible. Jesus wraps up one of his epic talks, which I think is his his most significant talk in John 16. And I always tell people this. I'm sorry, I'm just going off script here, but this is important. You want to know the essence of the love of Jesus and what Jesus is all about? Know inside out, memorize it, look at it, study it, meditate on it. John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those chapters reveal the love and essence of what it means to be not only a follower of Jesus, but a true disciple, and it reveals the love of Jesus to us and his heart for us. There are amazing chapters. I don't have time to get into it, but Jesus wraps up this epic talk, and this is his final talk with his disciples before he's going to go off to be crucified. And Jesus says in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. Now here's the deal. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have big trouble. You're going to have a lot of trouble. You're going to have big time trouble. You may not cause trouble, but you'll wake up one day and trouble will be at your front door. You may not go looking for it, but it'll come looking for you. There's no way of getting around it. You're going to go through trouble. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to be trouble. Trouble is going to come looking for you. There's no way around it. He said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And a question that many people ask, and some of you may have even asked this, is this. Why doesn't God eliminate all the strife, trouble, pain in the world, especially in my life? Well, let me ask you this. I'm not even going to attempt to answer that. But I will say this. What was it that drove you to God in the first place? What were some of the factors in your life that led you to surrender your life and said, Lord, I can't, but you can. I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life without you. And I'm just trusting you as my Lord and Savior. What was it? It was probably trouble. It was probably pain. It was probably a trial. It was something that you couldn't handle. It's probably a situation that you realize, you know what? I stink at playing God. I do a terrible job at playing God. I I can't change my past. I can't control other people. I can't manage my pain. And I certainly can't manage this trouble at my front door. Jesus, can you handle this for me? Absolutely. Thank you for letting me in. Absolutely. See, when we go through things we can't handle, we tend to trust and obey God more in those times than when things are going sort of peachy, right? 
Now, there are plenty of things we are good at covering up. You know, I grew up in New York City. always say you get over a lot of people in New York, okay? Uh, and, you know, people, people in New York always, you know, they learn how to get over on a lot of people. In other words, they always, you can always con another person. You can always get over, you don't always get your way with another person. There's a lot of things you can cover up and hide. But here's something you can never, ever cover up and hide. Are you ready? The lack of peace in your life. See, I always know when someone, when I'm talking or counseling to someone, whether they have the peace of God or not. Because it's, you can see it. You can see it rest on someone. You can see when someone's going through something, they still have joy. There's a confidence about them. You see, see, many of you wear your emotions on your sleeves. And you do a terrible job covering up the look of stress, even anger in your face. And you can never, ever cover up the lack of peace. I heard Marty say a couple weeks ago, he said this, if you're a Christian, someone needs to tell your face. Which I love that. That was pretty, that was, for me, that's the quote of 2017. If you're a Christian, someone needs to tell your face. And that, to me, that's the quote of 2017. And here's the question. Why does someone keep drinking? Why do we continue to hate? Why do we continue to worry? Why do we continue to create conflict and do the destructive things in our lives that cause chaos, that cause strife? You see, for them, their peace comes from seeking everything other than God. For them, peace is if I can get more money, if I can get more things, if I can just get into this new relationship, if I can just get out of this relationship, if I can just make this person like me more, if I can just get more likes on this post, if I can just get people to accept my, my, whatever it is. See, the more of anything you seek and put first before Jesus Christ, the deeper the pit of emptiness and despair becomes for you. And when you live and walk around with a lack of love, empowered by greed, consumed by pride. Your mind is not only containing that, but it's affecting your body. A lack of peace will destroy your body. Genuine peace, I got to tell you, is the best antidote for good health. It really is. Emotions, and everybody knows this, affect the physical body. When you have a lot of peace, you're less stressed out and your body responds appropriately. And here's the deal. You can have this peace or you can be without this peace. Like Isaiah said in 57, 21, says, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked, for those who don't trust in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is the sustainer of that peace through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 says this, may the Lord of peace himself Continually grant you peace in all circumstances. In all circumstances. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be a great Christmas gift? That in all your circumstances, you know, a crazy Charlie coming over your, hell, your house, nasty Nancy, terrible Ted, that God will continually grant you peace in all circumstances. Let me ask you this. What do you own? that gives you peace? What do you own that gives you peace? Nothing. 
Well, listen, to wrap up this talk, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to let God give you a piece of his mind talking about the peace the world doesn't offer so you can experience peace in the middle of your chaos. Isaiah 26.3 says this, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. You will keep in perfect, perfect. How many people need perfect peace? Not just peace. You want perfect peace? Let your mind be locked and loaded on this book. Locked and loaded in whatever it tells you to do. Locked and loaded to give you wisdom. Locked and loaded to go where it tells you to go, no matter where. Locked and loaded to give you a change of mind, a change of direction, and then eventually a change of heart. Eventually the feelings follow. Locked and loaded. You will keep in perfect peace. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. That's why when we make God's word the authority over our lives, here's what happens. Great peace comes over our lives. Galatians 5.22, this is a big one. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, always hear me say God's looking for good fruit, not religious nuts. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Anybody need more love? Joy. Anybody need more joy? Come on, people with the frowns on, smile. Need more joy? Peace. I love that he, that he threw peace in there. It just doesn't seem to fit, does it? But peace is the denominator that makes all the others work. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love that peace is in there. What, how can all the other fruits of the Spirit work without peace? And as a matter of fact, all the other fruits of the Spirit produce peace. And the more peace you have, the more of the, the other fruits of the Spirit get highlighted in and through your life. Compliments of the Holy Spirit being allowed to work in your life. The working and the allowing of the Spirit will produce this type of peace in your life. And here's probably my, one of my favorite scriptures on God's peace. It comes in Philippians 4, 6, 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer, with prayer, don't miss this, and petition, with thanksgiving, grateful heart, thankful heart, Present your request to God. In other words, here you have a choice. I can be anxious or I can pray. I can be anxious about this or I can pray. And here's how to pray. I'm not just going to pray, but I'm going to pray with thanksgiving. And so the statement is, don't be anxious. The instructions are, pray about it all the time and pray with thanksgiving. And if we do that, here's the promise of God. God gives you a great promise. God says, if you'll do that, you know, don't be anxious, but pray, and pray with thanksgiving. He says, if you do that, here's what I'm going to do for you. The peace of God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, the peace of God that will blow your mind, the peace of God that will make you go, wow. I can't even explain what I'm experiencing right now. I can't even explain to you how calm I am, even though you're raging at me in your stupidity. 
Because I have peace, and you're not going to steal my joy. Peace that I've got the worst news in my life. But I have peace knowing that you're in control. And it's just blowing my mind to the point where your peace and your love is consuming me. Don't we all need that? Don't you need that? It only comes from the prince of peace. I want that for you. I wish I could give you thousands of things this Christmas. I wish I could hand you all a note for a million dollars. But I've got something better than that. Some of you guys in the back going, man, I could have used that. But I got something better. I got something better. Peace of God. And I want you to have this peace. So I thought the best way we can wrap this thing up, this whole series, is by talking about Joseph. You know, Joseph is an unsung hero. He really is. You know, you always hear about Mary and, and you know, Jesus being born to us. And Joseph gets mentioned along the way. But Joseph was in a tough situation. He was in a chaotic situation. He was in a family drama situation. He was in a public humiliation situation. And he was faced with a very tough decision, a life-determining sort of landmark decision that was going to affect not only his life for generations to come, but millions of others. And how, we, how Joseph responded affects every single person here today. So let's pick up the story in Matthew. It's not up, it's not up on the screens. I'm just going to read it to you. Because there's a couple things about Joseph that we sort of miss in the Christmas story that I want to bring out to you as we wrap up this series tonight. It says this in Matthew 1, 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. You all know that. Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit. Uh, she conceived the baby through the Holy Spirit. Now, this wasn't uh, a normal practice back then, just so you know. Not a lot of people got pregnant through the Holy Spirit without having, without having sex. Okay? So, matter of fact, it only happened one time. And, uh, and it's sort of like a remarkable story to believe, isn't it? So think about the faith it took to believe that. I mean, if, I mean, if I'm dating someone and someone says, oh, oh uh, I'm pregnant, and, and I say, you know, but we, we, we didn't have sex yet, and, and, and someone says to me, well, the Holy Spirit, you, you know, I got pregnant through the Holy Spirit, I'm probably not going to believe it. <laughs> Most likely I'm not going to believe it. So think about how miraculous that is and how profound and how even absurd the story is. It says this, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, don't miss this. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. In other words, he was a man that, that believed in God. He followed God. He was a devout follower. Now, but, no, mind you, they, had no, they didn't have the Bible back then. The Bible wasn't written yet. I mean, they had the law. But he was a righteous man. And here's the thing about that. You say, well, what does that mean? For you? Well, if, when you receive 
Christ as your Savior, you're declared righteous. So if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a righteous person because you are declared righteous. And God wants you to walk in righteousness. But because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He already planned this out. So he's already planning out the scenario. So I, obviously, I have to leave her. Obviously, I have to divorce her, but I'm not going I'm, I'm to disgrace her in public, which was something that they did back then. But watch this. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. In a dream. Think about the faith it takes to respond to God in a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Wow. Now what's interesting here is, you know, as I read earlier, he had in mind to divorce her. In other words, he had in mind to think, he, he, no telling what he had in mind and no telling all the scenarios that he was thinking about because on one side of Joseph is this chaos right here and on one side of Joseph is a calm. And Joseph is thrown into, into, into chaos. And watch this. When Joseph woke up, don't miss this. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He didn't question it. He didn't ponder it. God spoke, and that's all he needed. He knew it was from God because the angel of the Lord confirmed to him what Mary had told him and he knew that's all he needed, and he was now on a mission. There was no, let me just think about this, let me pray about this, let me get alone, let me get some counsel. It says this, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. So here's Joseph. He's got chaos on one side and he's got peace on the other. And you know what was standing in the middle of the chaos and his peace was one word, obedience. And in the middle of your chaos on one side and on the other side is peace is one word that's getting challenged to you in your heart. One word that's getting spoken to you, from God to you, that you know exactly what it is. And it's the word obedience. And how you respond to the obedience of God will determine whether the chaos will consume you or the peace will consume you. The Prince of Peace. And what I want for all of you is in the middle of your case. Now, now, if you continue, and the story is real long, I don't want to continue through the whole story, but two other times 
in the Christmas story, an angel of the Lord had appeared to Joseph. And in each time, three times total, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the middle of chaos. Because it wasn't easy after that first chapter where I just ended. Things got a little crazy, as you saw in the video earlier. They were running. Their lives were threatened. They were on the run. There were no places. They came into a chaotic situation. Jesus came born into a mess so he can take our mess, be our mess, clean up our mess so that we can have peace through the Prince of Peace. And what I want for you this Christmas, because I can't promise you that the chaos will leave. I can't promise you the conflict will go away. But I can promise you on the other side, it's just as much chaos and conflict as God's peace. One or the other is going to consume you. And the difference is, how obedient are you going to be to God? Because that's what's standing in the middle. And that's what's going to determine which one consumes you. And what I want to consume you this Christmas is the Prince of Peace. It's the best gift that I can give you. I can't give it to you. I can just compel you to receive it, to live it, and to give it out. And let others see that peace in you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your peace. Thank you for how you love us. Thank you for the peace that you give the world doesn't offer. Thank you when we pray to you that the peace that you, that you promise to us will blow our minds. It'll transcend all understanding. We'll never be able to comprehend it. And it'll guard our minds and guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. Lord, we need that peace. I need that peace, and everyone here needs that peace. And I just speak your peace. I pray your peace, and I pray for love and peace and grace and power. And I pray that every name that we talked about each week here in this series, This Is Us, will be a reality for everyone here this Christmas season, that we would know the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the peace that only comes from the Prince of Peace. I speak and I pray all of this through the peace that you've given me that I want everyone here to have and experience and live it out and share it out in Jesus' name. Amen.